through John. If you've been visiting with us, we've been in John the entire year, and we'll continue into the first quarter. Actually, John will take us all the way up to Easter. Uh, so we've actually got it planned that far in advance. So uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, but here we're going to continue in John 14. John 13, last week we focused on uh, the centerpiece of John 13, maybe one of the most important passages that, that we uh, uh, know, John 13, 34, and 35, uh, to love one another just as Christ loved the church, so shall we love one another. That The whole world will know that you are following Jesus when you love one another. And that is what an incredible fact that is. And then he ends John 13 telling Peter, you're going to betray me. You're going to turn away. And, 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 and the, next ver- the next thing that Jesus says tell- gives us an indication of what's happening with all of the men at this point uh, in verse 1 of chapter 14. We'll pick up there. And, and Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you, Among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father. The Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you want to ease our troubled hearts. Father, I know that uh, our lives can often be filled with burdens, with challenges, with struggles, whatever it may be. I know that at this point in uh, your time on earth, God, your followers were filled with trouble. God, I pray that today we could draw out from this text how you want to ease our burdened hearts. We're so grateful that you even provide us a way to have that. We love you and thank you and pray that you guide us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine what disciples must have been feeling at this time. They've spent the last three and a half years 
right by Jesus' side. They, they, when he slept, they slept. When he ate, they ate. They, they went everywhere together. You can imagine what kind of bond they must have formed. All the jokes that must have been told that we don't see in the Bible. All the miracles that must have happened that we don't see in the Bible. All the, you know, they, they must, you, you know, they're guys. They were guys. They must have been, been, been kidding with each other, ribbing each other here and there. We know there was some sarcasm in there. Uh, and, they, and they must have had a, an amazing time. Not to mention all the teaching. Jesus really did pour himself out. Of course, the pinnacle of whenever Jesus washed their feet, uh, at, at, at the supper, and, and, and how incredible that must have been. And now, here they are, just literally hours before Jesus would be arrested, they were troubled. Peter was just told they would, that he would deny Christ. Peter, the, 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 the ceiling of faith, the rock on which the church would be built, he's going to deny Jesus. Thomas, doubting where Jesus is going. Philip, asking for more proof, as if he needed more proof. All these exposing the shuddering of their hearts. Literally, that phrase, do not let your hearts be troubled, in, in more literal versions, it says, do not, do, don't let your hearts shudder. Uh, R. Kent Hughes says, in the original Greek, this carries the firmness resolve, and conviction of a command, though from the context we understand these words most likely to have been spoken very gently. He was commanding out of love. There's no reason for your hearts to be troubled. That word for heart is it's the total inner self, the center where everything comes from. It's the, the source of thoughts and, and conviction. That word troubled is, is the same word. It means to be disturbed. It's, it's the same word that, that was used in John chapter 12 whenever it's discussing Jesus' Jesus's attitude toward Lazarus' death. He was troubled in his inner being. And it was also said in John 13, verse 21, whenever he's talking, he's troubled by Judas and, and the fact that Judas is about to betray him. That's the type of trouble. That's the shuddering that they're having within their hearts. Jesus wanted to give peace in their inmost being. I believe that's what Jesus wants for you and I here today. Because we can be troubled by lots of things. Who here has not felt troubled ever? Never never felt troubled? Nobody could raise their hand. Everybody holds their... Uh, Darius, I know you've been troubled. I know your parents. I know you've been in trouble. I don't know how troubled you've been. Um... We can talk about that another time, but um, we, so, we we have we have troubles. Teens, I, I respect the teen ministry so much. I pray for our teens regularly because they do go into the world every day, and oftentimes they're by themselves. And I'm sure they're troubled. Wondering, Am I the only one? Does anyone want to listen to me? Uh, I, I, I respect so much our singles ministry, our EDGE ministry, who, who EDGE stands for Every Day God is Enough. And, and I respect them so much because in the face of the world and all the culture and the way it's pushing against, uh, pushing against godliness. But, but there can be trouble in it. 
and this feeling, and even wonder, will it ever happen for me? And 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 we can be troubled. We can have we can have family difficulties. Whenever our children don't do as well as we had hoped they would do spiritually, fearful of our kids being in the world and the things that they hear uh, aren't things that we've heard in the world. The things we heard in high school are nothing compared to what our kids hear. And as parents, we can be worried and troubled. Older disciples, if you've been around a while, you can be troubled because you're not seeing things happen the way you used to in in the glory days. I won't point out any that's been around a while, but, but but I've been around a while. Who am I kidding? But we can look back and we can think of the mistakes we made with our families and the regrets we have. And even the hard treatment, the way we treated people or mistreated people. I tell people all the time, I, you know, I was so encouraged that somebody wanted us to come back here. About a year ago, if you're new here, we, my wife and I moved back here about a year ago, we had been gone for 11 years. We were overseas a little bit and in Richmond a little bit. And when we heard that people wanted us back, I thought, man, God must have given them amnesia. Because, because I, I know I was not good at what I, I know that I hurt people. I know I said stupid things. And maybe you felt troubled when you heard I was coming back, which we, you, know, you can share that with somebody else. I probably don't need to hear that, but. But, but, but we can be troubled whenever we think about the mistakes we've made. Fathers troubled trying to figure out how to pay for college. Mothers and fathers trying to figure that out. Troubled whenever we hear people choosing to leave God. Our campus ministry is worsening with the South Side today, but they're, you know, they, they're, they're troubled with the pressures that they have on their campuses. And the, and the finals, not all the campus students, just one campus student. Sam's like, what about me? Sam's not in school right now, but it, so she doesn't really count. But yeah, I, I get it. Um, but 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 the trouble of thinking that our value comes from what we do, not who we are in Christ. We can be troubled by health challenges. We can be troubled by relationship issues in our marriages. If you're married, and and and, and marriage isn't quite as you expected it, because you thought it was going to be roses and candles and 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 rainbows all the time, and then you came back from your honeymoon, and it didn't quite go that well, and we can be troubled by that. We can be troubled by financial challenges and character struggles and difficulty over some pattern that continues to plague us. We can be troubled by the political climate we have in our country today, and the disunity that that can cause. And I, and, I, I, and I promise you that we're going to do everything we can to try and bring you great strength and peace to Jesus over this, for, for good, but, but especially over this next year, because I think we're going to be in a time in our country where it's going to be chaos, but it shouldn't be that here. And we're not going to talk about politics, and we're not, I don't know what side you, you might fall on, but it doesn't matter. In Jesus, we're all in Christ, and we've got to Protect each other and help each other because all that other stuff just brings trouble. Without Jesus, we have little hope of overcoming troubles that face us head on. But Jesus gives us the antidote. 
how can we find peace? First, we need to hold on to the absolutes. Hold on to the absolutes. You know, we can often make things worse than they really are. We, you know, to the imagined things that we worry about are usually worse than they actually end up being. Imaginary grievances have always been my torment more than real ones. Which is worse, the actual hypodermic injection in the dentist chair or the anticipation as you walk into an antiseptic-smelling office, sign your name, and walk down a long hallway to the dentist chair surrounded by all these instruments of doom. And then when it's done, what's usually the first thing you say? I wasn't so bad. My son loves shots, and uh, no, he doesn't. He hates shots. This is a, a boy who broke his arm in the Dominican Republic, and the only thing he cared about was, am I going to get a shot? And through, when he went to the hospital, they, they took him to the hospital to have his arm looked at, and, and he was in a room with two other people who had been in a car accident, and they had IVs in their arms, and through miscommunication, he thought he was going to end up with an IV in his arm, and it didn't go so well. He didn't have to have an IV, but, 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 our, but, but even if he did have to have an IV or a shot, it ain't that bad, just so you know, son. He'll have to get some shots here soon enough. We're, we're not immune to imagined fears, and neither were they. And Jesus is trying to help put their troubles away. And he makes these definitive statements. I am going there. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place I will come back. I am the way and the truth and the life. Because without God, we lose our way. We live a life of lies and we are destined for death. And that's why we need the way, the truth, and the life. You do know him, Jesus says, and have seen him. Anyone who has seen me, he says. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. Anyone who has faith in me will do greater things than these. I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask. Ask me for anything. Only Jesus can speak in these kind of definitives. And he does that because when we are troubled in our souls, and we need to hear confidence, and we need to hear strength, and Jesus speaks with this kind of confidence. His definitives make up for our uncertainty. My question for you is, what have you been listening to? What is bringing you trouble? And have you been going to the source of truth? Or have you been listening to what the world says? John is trying to help us see that we have no reason to doubt. As he wrote this letter, and he's, he's quoting Jesus, and he's, he, one of the things that he quotes is where Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me. That word, there's those, the Greek verb tense of trust is saying, keep on trusting. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing in God. Keep on believing in me. If we would keep in mind the attributes of God, his sovereignty, his omniscience, his omnipotence, our hearts would not be troubled like they are, no matter what's going on. 
doesn't matter how our situation is at school or on our jobs or in our marriage or, in, or, or our finances, whatever it is, hey, God is faithful and God is going to take care of it. But if you're focused on your issues, you miss it. And it feeds right into Satan's plan. I believe that's Paul writes this to the church in Coloss and the church in Philippi. In Colossians 3, he says, Set your minds on things above, that are uh, th- not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Is that your practice? Is that Are you known as someone who can turn, uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm I, if you, anybody seen Evan Almighty? Evan Almighty? I love that movie. One of my favorite movies. Pharrell's hilarious in that movie. But, but, but you know, of course, his, his, his beard keeps coming back. And, his, and he's, you know, at one time he walks into the center. He's got his beard braided. He's got, you know, and, 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 and the, the woman that his assistant asks him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm making lemonade. He, he's got a bad situation, and he's trying to, He's making lemonade. When, when God gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Is that, is that how you are? Or are you just one that looks like you're sucking on lemons? You, you can tell a lot by a person's face. You can tell a lot by how, how, what, what their focus is on. You can really tell when their focus is not on Jesus. We need to hold on to the fact that Jesus saved. Not just here, but throughout the New Testament. Because Jesus is trying to drive here and drive out whatever might be keeping us from having a solid faith that God is at work. Jesus is working on our behalf. He has gone, he has gone before us. He's prepared a place for us. It's not a temporary place. It's a permanent place, the way it's even written. It, it, it describes, it's a description of permanence. He will return in his second coming, and he will take us to be with him. Now, the last time Jesus said something like this, back over in John chapter 8. Let's look at John chapter 8. And let's see the last time Jesus said something like this uh, in, in just a little bit before this time. In verse 21 of John chapter 8, he says, Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin where I go. You cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. That's what Jesus had said to the last crowd of people that refused to believe in him. And that's why he said it the way he did. You will die in your sins. But that's not the case for us if we're following Jesus. We don't have to worry about dying in our sins. And I will say one thing about this whole idea that we are sinners. If you're a follower of Jesus, stop saying, I am a sinner. Because if you are a follower of Jesus today, you have been made righteous. You have been made the righteousness of Jesus. That's the gift you've been given. 2 Corinthians 3.18, you're being made into the image of Christ by the Spirit. 
It is already there. We say too often, I am a sinner. I think sometimes we say it to make ourselves not feel so bad about when we sin. That's not what God made you. When you became a Christian, you committed yourself to to the life of Christ. It's who you are. When God sees you, if you're a Christian today, he sees Jesus. No matter even if you sinned on your way arguing with your spouse or your roommate on the way to church today. When God sees you, he sees Jesus still. Unless you've decided you're not going to repent, in which case you've got some, some things to deal with. Otherwise, he sees Jesus. Satan doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to doubt it. He wants you to believe the lies. He wants you to, to, to run away from this truth. I want to show a video of some disciples in Europe that have gone through troubled times but have committed themselves to faith. Watch this video. We've been married for 19 years and we have a 17-year-old son, Henry is his name, and we have a 14-year-old daughter, It's like paradise, living in the church, growing up in the church. I was like, you know, I love God. I was like, it was serious, but not that serious. So I started praying that um, our kids would feel the need uh, to be with God and to draw closer to Him. I didn't think about what could happen, you know, or how this could come about. But what happened on the 27th of January last year, early in the morning, 6 o'clock, we heard some noises. And uh, so we went up and we saw our flat was on fire. So I went up that stairs. Actually from there everything is black. And we went outside, but we simply had nothing. We were standing outside, minus 11 degrees. Just had our underwear on and everything else was gone. Most of it was gone. Yeah. And it really did something to our kids, to both of them. Even Henry changed his WhatsApp status into you can trust him no matter what. I was like, thank you God, we are alive. Just like nothing happened to us. I was just grateful that God saved us there. It changed my uh, relationship to him. His friends all over the world encouraging him. Henry came, kept coming back to us saying, hey mom, did you hear from that family how they could support us? And those people offered to bring clothes, they offered to bring games and he was like, so blown away by the help and by the love that the disciples um, offered. He really realized, wow, this is, this is my family. This is how God is taken care of through the family. We don't want to have it again, mm-hmm. for sure. But looking back, we would all say, for what we learned, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to lose that one. Four weeks ago, I said, yeah, I will make this decision and really live my life with God. We didn't expect our prayer to be heard in this way. You know, there is no answer on the why. The answer is the relationship with God and He's all good. That's the answer to it. He's good and you can trust Him no matter what. Bernie had just returned from her honeymoon when she was first invited to church. Soon, she was baptized. But her husband was not happy with her decision. He eventually accepted his wife's new life in Christ, 
but said that they would not have children because it would be too hard for them. So my dream to become a mom uh, was just a shadow. But then, okay, I just wanted to please God that he will provide, that I could be happy with our children, etc. So thanks to a um, product failure, <laughs> I got pregnant. And even during the pregnancy, he said, oh, I would like to have a second one. And what was really important for him was that, my, that our kids could really choose between the world or God. I really fighted for this, that the kids could see the church. This situation um, really helped me to, um, to build my own convictions. I really fighted that the kids could see the church. It was really important just to have connections and build friendships. Because my dad wasn't a disciple, I couldn't go to all the activities. My job was to love my father, so he'd become a disciple, and I think this is something I understand more now. I'm so happy to know that my kids, um, they choose Jesus. For mom's heart, it's just good to know that whatever will happen to them, they will go to heaven. <laughs> so I pray about that our dad will be a disciple, that we can be a the complete family. God has always protected us, so we just want to say thank you, God. <laughs>
even when you don't believe in yourself. And I believe that's what Jesus was doing here in our text, in, in, back in chapter 14 of John, in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus says that, that we will do even greater things than he did. Now, when we read this, we all absolutely believe it without doubt. How many of us have doubted this text? I think we are. In some ways, at some point, we look at Jesus' life and we think, how, how can I possibly do more than Jesus did? But think about it. Jesus, Jesus is actually quite, quite compact. It was, he had 12 apostles. He, he may have had 150 maybe upwards of 500, depending on how you read it, followers in three years. But, but his impact were actually able, you go read the book of Acts, and, and that, the fact that the gospel got to the whole known world at the time through the disciples, which was more than Jesus did. Now, we won't bring someone back from the dead, but do believe that Jesus has vision for you that you can do greater things than he did. You know how you can tell if you believe that or not? Well, if you're doing work that he's called you to do, it seems evident that you, that you believe it. You're actually committing yourself to doing greater and greater things. I ask you to think about it. What can you do? Jesus tells us that if we keep believing, then we will do even greater things. For us, it's no different than it was for them at that time. Making disciples is meant to be a multiplying impact. That one disciple makes another disciple, and that those two go and make two more, and those four go and make four more, and so forth and so on. How about you? You're following Jesus. That was his way. That was the way he taught. Are you doing it? Are you involved in it? Are you seeing the people that are becoming Christians and thinking, man, I want to do that too? I think everybody has at the beginning of the new year the goal, I want to help someone become a Christian. Imagine if we all worked as if that was our goal individually for 2020. And everybody in our congregation helped one person become a Christian in 2020. It seems possible, doesn't it? It seems very, very possible. In one year, we have over 200 followers of Jesus in our congregation right here. In one year, if everybody helped one person become a Christian, if the 150 number of followers is right, we collectively have done more than Jesus did. We embrace that. Now, I don't know what your goal is. I don't know what your vision is for yourself, but I'm telling you right now that God's vision for you is way beyond anything you could imagine. And I think sometimes we squelch the idea of doing greater things because we know it's going to require something of us. It's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone. It's going to require us to, to commit ourselves to doing more. It's going to require us to be more committed to following Jesus than ever before. 
Paul is no different for us than it was then. We can do, Jesus says we can do more. If we believe, we can do greater things than he did. He also says that we can ask him for anything in his name. And he repeats the idea two different times, two times, in his name. I will do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That doesn't mean start praying for the lottery, okay? That that doesn't mean selfish prayers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that you really believe God can do. How about beginning to pray for those? Pray for the visions that you have for your life, that God has put on your heart. The change in your family, the change in your marriage, the change at your job, the change in yourself to overcome whatever that might be that has been challenging for you. And I want to put before you a vision that we have for the peninsula. We are so excited. We've been back here now for 14 months. It's been amazing to see how God has worked. It really has been uh, the best year uh, uh, in, in our ministry life, really. It's been unbelievable to see how God works. But I'm praying for God to do even greater things. And I would ask you to join me in that prayer because in my mind's eye, I see the peninsula not being one region in the near future, but being two regions. By, to have two regions with full, full, fully staffed regions with evangelist and women's ministry leader in both of those regions, an elder, at least an elder couple, if not more, in each of those regions, deacons in each of those regions, a functioning campus ministry on the peninsula that's devoted to the 30,000 students that are on the peninsula. How about that for a vision? We will always be the Hampton Roads Church, by the way. None of that means we're not staying connected to the Hampton Roads Church. We're always going to be the Hampton Roads Church, but I think we need to get to the point where where we we split into two regions up here to be able to have a greater impact in the north area, in the south area, up in Williamsburg, all the way down to Hampton. There's so much work to be done. The vision for the teen ministry, that one-third of our teen ministry would be made up of teens who didn't grow up in the church that the teens are actually doing, making great impact in their schools and helping friends become Christians, that our edge ministry would have an edge ministry in both of these regions, and that the edge ministry would, 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 would be a thriving and growing ministry that's doing mission work overseas. Angela and I are actually going to have a chance to go to the U.K. next year, and we're going to talk to them about bringing some of our singles ministry over there one year and them coming to us one year. To have to get a, a get an opportunity to do some mission work on the foreign mission field. How exciting would that be to be able to see our edge ministry make that kind of impact? We can ask for anything in his name. Is any dream too big or goal too large for God? I don't think so. You do not have because you do not ask. Go and study that idea in James chapter 4. I would ask you all, first, begin to pray about your own vision that God puts on your heart for your life. And I would ask you to please pray for the vision for the peninsula.
because I believe the peninsula is just getting started. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of people in this area, and they need to hear the gospel. There's no time for troubled hearts. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Satan wants us to get caught up in our troubles. There's a lost world out there, and Jesus knew that if we lived in troubled places, then we aren't going to do the work that he's called us to do, that he's given us a vision for doing. So Jesus calms our hearts and reassures us with absolute. He encourages us with the truth about the work he's doing for us going forward so that we don't have to worry about our eternity. He will use us to do greater things than even he did on this earth. You can ask him for anything. Just ask. I think Jesus is waiting for you to ask. See him work. Let's live that way on the peninsula. Amen. Before the before the singers.